1: if you go to miamighostchronicles.com you can find links to the shows mp3 files which you can download or links to your favorite platform like itunes spreaker soundcloud and all other major sources you can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at marlenepardo.com you can also purchase books and merchandise there and you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True believer stories that I've collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStorytime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. I am doing very well. All is good here in sunny South Florida. And as you know, uh, what can I say, it's 2019, a lot of interesting things going on, and as per your uh, request from you guys, you are all interested in finding out about uh, paranormal news. Because sometimes, you know, I I look at some of this information just to see what's coming, you know. In other words, not to exist in my little echo chamber. And I run across some stuff that is like, what is this? And one of the ones I ran it's kind of like, it's it's not funny. It's kind of a little bit tragic. Uh, This just came out that um, up in Alexandria, Virginia, there was a gentleman that uh, got attacked and killed in his business. And apparently the person that did it, from what I understand, it, it well, it, it happened during the summer of last year, and it just went, it's right now in, in court. He apparently did have some type of mental illness, but he killed him because he thought that he was, that the guy was a werewolf. And by the way, they didn't know each other. I mean, I, I haven't really followed what the actual process was of the crime per se, but from what I understand, there was no connection to this, and... He ended up killing this man with a box cutter and the defense, as a matter of fact, is defending him based on the fact that, you know, insanity, because he thought that this man was a werewolf. Why he thought that? I mean, if you look at the man he killed, the victim, very normal, as a matter of fact, normal looking guy who had a business, he was a manager for a business there and according to several of the people that had neighboring businesses, very nice man, very nice man and uh and i said you know because we always think of these things of the werewolf and the vampire stuff like oh you know once upon a time and i said well you know what what else is that and then i find out that last year another girl in russia she meets a guy online they meet get together first date you know you know that online romance thing she ends up going back to his apartment, and. Uh, then afterwards, she tells him, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> this talk about a uh, the ca- uh, cautionary tale about online dating." She tells him, uh, "I'm a vampire." She says that she was a vampire, like in uh, a character out of that program, the um, the Vampire Diaries. And uh, you know, like I'm a vampire, but apparently. Th- I'm not that familiar with the vampire diaries i'm a vampire and she this character supposedly hunts werewolves it turns out this guy i guess he realized man i really don't have anything in common with this girl i think he he tells her look um i don't believe in the supernatural and i think he, i think he should go home i think he was trying to be nice like whatever who knows he goes to take a shower big mistake she, <laughs> she goes into the kitchen grabs a knife tries to stab him when he's coming out of the shower he wrestles the knife she had another backup ends up stabbing him in the chest uh he runs off to yeah i guess he lived in an apartment building runs to the neighbors and they call police and you know didn't let you know the, the, the neighbors helped out holding her back and she she again she identified this is another person that's that some somewhere upstairs things like in short you know connection there very very pretty girl 22 years old she identified herself as a vampire werewolf killer a character and that she thought that he was a werewolf and that's why she stabbed him she ended up getting two and a half years in prison and had to pay the equivalent in russian money and you know american dollars of five thousand dollars the poor guy lost his job and he's in therapy i bet he's not into online dating anymore I had to mention those two things, because you know what? And the reason why I say it is, it's not paranormal, but it is. Because sometimes we have to think about sometimes how people, unfortunately, they they take this... Uh, they, in other words, there is no boundary line between reality for them and the paranormal, okay? As in even, you know, paranormal things like in... And I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, unfortunately, people trying to do exorcism on their children and killing them because they say their children are possessed and this is a lot sometimes folks you know you got to be careful with these things because uh there's people sometimes that their grip on uh on reality is not that that good and uh and especially you know anybody out there you know the paranormal and dating online and all that that cautionary tale man be careful be careful (laughs) bring home ask them Yeah, what are are your beliefs about the paranormal before you bring them home? But anyway, let me get to the good stuff. The good stuff is about the guest that I have here today. Okay, I have a gentleman by the name of Paul Tate. Now, Paul has been reading, observing, researching many aspects of the paranormal world since his early childhood. And, you know, we're going to ask him about that. And uh, his fascination began as far back in 1976 when he had a frightening experience as a young boy uh, while he was uh, in his native country of England and you, you all know what I'm gonna ask well my first question is gonna be out the gate about that and anyway but Paul he's an accomplished and professional videographer he's since relocated to New England in uh, 2007 he released his first documentary film called Your Worst Nightmare which focuses on the frightening subject of sleep paralysis or the sleep hag Uh, Also, he uh, has a new video that came out just in 2018, uh, which is titled Supernatural Start Terror from the Shadows. Now, this um, was released, like I said, back in uh, 2018. And uh, this has to do with shadow people. And I know a lot of you, I mean, I've had prior shows about shadow people and exactly what or what they're not. We're gonna ask, absolutely, have Paul talk to us because he's had his own first-hand experiences with it. So he, um, his company, Dark Element Films, is uh, is uh, is where he does. The, he's planning on other uh, documentaries, which I'm sure are very interesting, having to do with the supernatural and how it affects everyday people. You know, it's a fascinating mystery of life. But anyway, let me get Paul on. Paul, how are you doing today?
2: Good thanks Marlene, how are you
1: today? Very well, and uh, I am so thrilled to have you because I hate to say it that shadow people are very, how can I say, they're very scary, but for some reason, that's why people are so interested in it. Plus a lot of people have had their own first-hand experiences and I'm gonna ask you because it's mentioned in your bio, what happened with you as a child?
2: Well, I used to live in southwest London up until the age of five. And then we moved from southwest London to an apartment in west London. And it was all on one level. And my parents slept in a room, in their room, which was about, you know, 15 feet away from my room. And I was at the end of the building. <clears throat> so at nighttime, I used to go to bed like every child would. But the strange thing is that some nights I used to be woken up and, so, you know, I'd just wake up and then there would be this tall, dark, shadowy figure standing right beside my bed looking down at me. And it wouldn't say anything. It would just stare at me. And I used to scream at the top of my lungs and my mum would come running into the room, switch on the lights, you know, what's going on? And I would tell her that... Um, I just saw a tall black woman. That's how I described her. it looked like she. It looked like there was like a dress on, a full length dress. Okay. okay. Just the shape. That's how I described it. But I also described it as having an afro hairdo. Really. Now, growing. Yeah, growing up in the seventies, afros were everywhere. I had one as a kid.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. uh, So. Imagine you're a kid laying on a bed and you're probably at two or two and a half feet high off the floor and you're looking upwards and you see something looking down at you with a round shape. So that's what I said, it was an afro. Okay. Um, so this went on and on. and In the end, um, I ended up sleeping in my parents' room because I wouldn't sleep in my own room anymore yeah. due to the fact that this kept on happening. It was a reoccurring thing for me. And um, the strange part, and why I mentioned the Afro, the strange part is I reconnected with a cousin while I was making the documentary, um, Supernatural Assault, that I hadn't spoken to in about 20 years. So I've been in the States 15 years now, okay. but uh, I, I hadn't seen him before, prior to leaving the United Kingdom to come here, so it was about 20 years. And I said to him, you know, he's my cousin, Leon, I said, know, oh, I'm making a documentary. And he said, what's it about? You know, And I said, well, before I tell you what's it about, I want to ask you a, a quick question. And what happened was Leon and his family moved into our apartment when we left. We were there less than a year. Okay. So they, they took our apartment over, and we moved to one about literally, I don't know, 10 blocks away, but it was a much nicer place. So he had my bedroom. So I said to him, Leon. I said, when you took over my my um, bedroom, when you when your parents moved into my, our house and you took over my bedroom, and he would have been a year younger than me. Okay. I said, did you see anything strange in that room at all ever at night? And he just went crazy. He was like, Why are you asking me that? You know, he was exasperated and and very, yes. you know, passionate about it. What 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 made you say that? And I said. I'm just asking you a question. Why are you getting so, you know, worked up? And he said to me, I've never told anybody about that. Never. He says, I'll tell you now what used to happen. And he said to me, I used to sleep at night. And he said, a tall, dark, shadowy man with a hat used to come into my room and stand above my bed staring at me. Oh. And I hadn't even told him my experience yet.
1: So, yeah. Yes. So what
2: ripples? that for me was like validation.
1: Absolutely.
2: Something had happened in there that we both experienced without each other knowing until literally the making of the documentary um, last year. So how do you explain that? And it it kind of, you know, sent chills up my spine and he got obviously worked up about it because he couldn't believe I was asking him as if I knew.
1: You never experienced anything outside the bedroom or that nighttime visitation it was strictly that was it
2: well i had an experience later running life but that as a child
1: no but i'm saying uh, while you were living in that apartment it was like that one room was the one place that
2: was it was the coldest room and it was that that room was the only place where strange stuff used to happen
3: oh uh, yeah
2: i've heard of that i've heard of that and i, so I used to go back to because we used to hang out as kids and my dad used to go over there and they used to play used to play cards with leon's dad and um dominoes and stuff like that, right. but we used to go over there on the weekend, and that room was always kind of it just I didn't even want to go in there, so we used to play in another room down the other end of the um, apartment, but I hated that room I just hated the feel of it, I just mm-hmm. didn't want to hear it it just felt depressive and cold and just weird, yeah, and that's yeah that's what I felt as a child, you know um and that was my experience there. And did, but it was
1: was it an apart was it an old apartment building or did you know any history at all about? It? I mean, I know as a child you don't yeah. you don't know about um, those things, but
2: it, it well it was it was built up during or after World War Two. It was okay. built up, but during World War Two, the houses that were along that road were all blown to pieces by the German. Okay. Well, they they you could actually see photographs on on the internet of that okay. road, Askew Road. Um, Shepherds Bush, West London, W12. That's the zip code okay. or post. And then um, you can see the bombed-out houses down there. And I don't know whether any of the houses where the flats went were were blown up. Oh,
1: that's a very interesting theory. You know that, right? I mean, we yeah. you, I, I absolutely you really don't know the origin. Where was it? Was it something that was there that got bombed out? Was you know who knows? Yeah.
2: There were houses there, I don't know. But what I do know is that that left such a, uh, an impression on me that to this day, I'm 49 now, but to this day, I won't go to sleep at night with my face showing. I, I have to cover my head. It could be you know, 90 degrees, summer day, and then hot nights. I cover my head and make a little air hole because I refuse to sleep with my face out in, in case something you know, comes and stares at me.
1: You know, let me, well, let me ask you something. What would it do? Stay at the foot of the bed or would it get close to your face? Right
2: beside beside me, right beside my face.
1: Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Oh, That's horrible. So
2: I look, you know, I, I, am laying there and I look up and this thing is right there and its hands are down in front of it. Like the hands are in a praying position. So if you imagine, um, your hands are down, but they're joined in front of your abdomen. That's, that's the position its hands were always in, and that's it just so stared weird. straight down at me. Didn't say a word, didn't make a sound, didn't motion, didn't move, it was just standing there.
1: And according to you, you thought it was a woman. It had a, like a female, you thought, and I'm sure I you felt, weren't trying to observe it too closely either, but.
2: I, I felt it was a woman, but that was because of, from my point of view, all I could see was long, it looked like a long robe or a long, outfit i can't even describe Ah. what it was yeah so i figured it um, a man would wear trousers or or pants um, and i just saw it and i figured it was just a woman right because i
1: mean i've heard of shadow man or hat man and i've heard that some of them have a hat some are hooded like you know with a hooded or monk kind of appearance i mean there's different versions of it
2: but But when my cousin leon described it he described it as a tall dark shadowy man wearing a hat and I described it as a tall, dark shadowy woman with an afro. So we had two different interpretations it's of what up, it was. It's, it was similar.
1: That is such a horrible experience. And, 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 I, and I say to people, this is when when something affects you so profoundly that you just, like you just said, so many years and now you're an adult. Yeah. And you still, that thing affected you so deeply. that just on the off chance you ever run into another one let me tell you something that's incredible that you actually made a documentary about this you know that right most people would have said forget it
2: well it kind of embedded in me um an interest in this you know i didn't i didn't pursue this as a child you know as a child i i love to talk about ghost stories and I, you know, I used to go to the um, video shops then, we had these little VHS stores back then, you could mm-hmm. rent, And the one I used to go to was a tiny little store, it, you walk in the door and it was like um, 30, not even 30 feet across, it was like 20 feet across by 20 feet deep. Okay. And they had all of the, um, the latest horror films and ghost films nice. in there, they always got a good selection but the couple that owned it, it was a great little store. If there's anyone listening from England, it was on Ormiston Grove in Shepherds Bush. Um, The store was owned by this couple, they're really nice people, and they were into the paranormal. So when I used to go in there on a Friday, when I got my um, pocket money, I used to get 50p, or a pound a week. Um, I used to go and spend it all on these videos. Um, We used to get into these conversations, so I would go into the video store at like five o'clock and I wouldn't leave till like six or 6.30 because we had all these conversations every Friday about the paranormal. So um, it, was, it was an interest I had as a, as a kid growing up and then it kind of faded a bit mm-hmm. and then it came back to me in the late 80s when I had my next encounter. What happened? Well, I, in the late 80s I used to work up at Scotland Yard okay. um, and I used to work in the printing rooms on the 15th floor And one of our work colleagues organized a after work ghost tour. They had done one prior to it that I didn't even know about. I didn't go on that one, but I heard all about it, and I was intrigued by it. So when they came around and said we're doing it again, I was like, I'm going, I'm I'm all on board for that. So I put my name down, and some of my other work colleagues went, and they they ended up filling all the seats on the coach. There's a 52 um, seat. Coach like a greyhound bus, and um, we all met up in the pub after work, and you know had a few drinks, not not enough to get us drunk, just a couple of drinks yeah. was it? Got on the coach, and we went off to the first place, which was a haunted pub, and for another pub, right? So we went to the haunted pub, and then um, at the end of the night, we went to the last place of interest, which was called the Chiselhurst Caves. And these caves are in Surrey, and they're like a 22-mile maze of underground tunnels. That's they're deep lot. underground. Yeah. And they um, are carved out of chalk. And they were built a long time ago, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And they even used them as shelters during the war. And um, people used to like live down there a long time ago. And... Um, they're pretty eerie, it's it's pitch black down there if you don't have any light source and we went on the tour and we were down in the caves and there was a part where of the caves where the guide said some um, challenge was held so two men took up a challenge to stay down in the caves on their own after dark when the caves closed and they were not allowed to leave until the morning and these two guys were recording all of the evidence. So they had their um, tape recorder, cassette recorder on, and they had a row of candles down the cave. And this was the story as I can remember it. I mean, we're talking from the late 80s, but it stuck with me. So he said that at one point during the night, this is the tour guide telling the story, that um, one of the guys was sitting there, and he noticed the row of candles that were going down the cave started going out one by one from the furthest point. the furthest candle as if something was blowing them out and coming towards them and um it said that that, or the tour guys said that when they got to the last few candles one of the guys that was there went into a like a spasmic shock and he ended up kind of he swallowed his own tongue and he was on the ground writhing trying to breathe in this yeah in this kind of um what would you, it's just a state of like, um, like a spasm and he was trying to breathe and he was making a sound like a dog barking because he couldn't breathe. He oh was making, my God. yeah. Now all of this was on cassette because he was playing it. He, while he was telling us the story, he played it for us. And I think you can actually hear that on YouTube if you, can, you know, search for Chiselhurst Caves, Haunted or Most Haunted, I think that they actually play that recording on there. And anyway, they got the guys out in the end, and they, ne- they never won the challenge, obviously. They didn't, get, you know, didn't stay down there. Uh, oh. But then he's, he started telling us about um, how dark it is down here without light source. Now, these caves are made of chalk, so if you have a lamp down there, and we all had these little old vintage lamps. Right. If you have a lamp down there, it illuminates quite well because it picks up the, um, the right, light. Reflects. Out, reflects off the chalk so he said there's zero light photons down here and it's a term that i never really knew much about but he said i'm going to show you all what zero light photons is like to experience so he said on the count of three everyone turn off their lamps so he counted you know one two three and then boom it went jet black and it was a, the only way to describe it as if somebody just took your eyes out of your head instantly and rendered you immediately blind that's the only way to describe you know
1: what and people don't realize what total pitch block is until they they're they're in a situation like that because even in a room
2: so um you you can still
1: distinguish so i imagine right about then everybody was like
2: (laughs) everyone was kind of on edge by then And um, we turned our lights back on, and we proceeded down to the next place, which was um, an old well shaft that used to be there, but it's all blocked up now. And that went up to the surface. So I was standing at the back of the group, and next to me was a lady that I'd never seen before. She obviously was over, well, after I found out who she was, but she was over visiting England, um, and she was a friend of one of my work colleagues. She was from Germany. Okay. And I was standing next to her, and the tour guide was giving his speech about the well shaft and, you know, the history on that. And then I got a feeling to turn around. It was just, I, I felt like somebody was, you know, watching me. So I turned around, and I looked towards the dead end of the cave that was behind us. It's solid, chalk wall. That you, there's nothing there. No doors, no way out. It's solid, dead end. And I'm looking down there, and all of a sudden I see this orange glow and to me, it looked like somebody was standing down there smoking a cigarette. So as they drew the air in through the cigarette,
1: right. you know
2: how it gets brighter? That's what yes, happened. That's... Yes,
1: yes. Like the ember.
2: Yeah, it was like an orange ember. So I was looking at this for a second, just thinking maybe someone's down there. And then I saw two more appear, one at a time. Like one. So the first one was at kind of like head height. And then the other two appeared down lower at like knee height, but in a triangular formation. So now we've got a triangle of dots, but they're glowing orange. And then I said to the German lady, what do you think of that? What what do you think they are? So she turned around and looked at them. And as we were both looking at these embers, they started to rotate anti-clockwise. What? You know, yeah. they start to rotate and clockwise, and they got faster and faster and faster. And we were just looking at each other, thinking maybe this is like some kind of light show or some something to do with this, right. you know, this or the caves. And as they got, you know, to a point where they started becoming, you know, when lights spin fast, they they make circles. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it started to get like
4: with mailchimp you get more than a url you get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales with things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools get started today at mailchimp.com smartmarketing mailchimp built for growing businesses
0: we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.
2: But then they stopped dead. It stopped like instantly and opened up. So the top um, point of light went up towards the ceiling and the other two went down towards the ground so the triangle opened up and then from the center of this triangle jumped a small dark shadowy humanoid figure and it was about four and a half five feet tall and it looked like a, a you know a adolescent or a teenage, young teenager in a in a diving suit and it jumped out of the center and landed feet first on the ground in a crouching position. And the way I always describe it is when you see them old kung fu films and you see the ninjas,
3: yes, direct, right, uh
2: huh. That's exactly how it moved. Like one of those, it just it it was kind of looking around its environment, and its hands were kind of in an outward position, like it was it was just putting them out there, like feeling its environment with its hands. But the strange thing about it is when it jumped out, obviously we were shocked but in disbelief, we were just staring at it and it was looking around the cave environment as if it was exploring it, but the strange thing is, it didn't see us, it didn't look right at us, even though we were staring right at it it didn't look at us, it was looking around its end of the cave, Right. maybe it just couldn't see, but we all had lamps or the lanterns, so you'd think that it, it could see us, but it didn't. And it was at that point, I looked at the German lady like, like I, was, I was lost for words. And she let out a ghastly scream at that <laughs>
1: <thing>. <laughs> She's like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, she screamed really loud. And when she did, the creature whipped its head around and looked right at us, And then, like, froze like a deer caught in the headlights. And then it turned to its left, and it ran straight through the cave wall. It was gone in a flash. I couldn't couldn't even begin to imagine what it was. So I quickly ran towards it, thinking at that time, this is a joke. This is a trick. This is a projection. So I'm down there looking up for lights, projectors, anything that could have done that. I couldn't see nothing. And a few seconds later, I I ran back up to um, the German lady and everybody was around her at that point. And the tour guide was there, everybody was there. And she was shaking, trembling, and she couldn't even speak. She she didn't speak good English, but she couldn't even get out what she wanted to say. So I explained to the tour guide what just happened and what we'd seen, and he said to me, that thing that you talk about has been seen down here numerous times. Oh, really? Like yeah, he said it's been seen down there numerous times. And he said, when you go up to the um, lobby at the top, where you the entrance where you came in, go to the front desk. And he said, ask for the logbook. And he said, write your experiences down in there, each of you separately. And we went up there and they presented us with this big book. And it was about an inch thick. And it had, you turned the pages and all of these things that happened down in that cave were there. So we, we wrote our experience in the book and we exchanged um, details because she wanted my um, address and telephone number. There was no internet back then. Mm-hmm. And she said she did that because when she goes home, she's going to tell her friends about this. And she doesn't want anybody to think that she just made it up or she's crazy or she's a magic. So I didn't hear from her again. I didn't hear anything about that, but that ignited my um interest in what these things were. And at the time, it was a ghost to me. I didn't, but I didn't. It sounds know.
1: almost like it was a portal that opened up. I mean, that's
2: it's like yeah, but it, I didn't know about shadow people. Never heard that term used until way later, decades later. You know.
1: And Paul, were you able to make? I mean, I know you said that the height, and were you able? it looked human but you couldn't tell features or it was just like a a solid black yeah it was wow oh paul Mm -hmm. i can't hear you paul can you hear me oh i hope i haven't lost him I hope I haven't
2: like it moved very
1: okay gently. okay all right that's good don't, don't worry about it so I think well now obviously you're an adult so what happened you had this experience and you're thinking okay this was not a trick this um did anybody have on. any theories as to what that was or just everybody would no. just
2: no nobody nobody knew what it was but when I went home. I, I, I slept in my sister's room for a week <laughs> after. I wouldn't. I You're wouldn't like, sleep oh up. man. <laughs> yeah. There was no way I was sleeping on my own after seeing that, you know. Yeah. Because yes. it started to sink in on the on the ride home. I, I was on the after they dropped us off. I had to take the train, the underground train, and that's at night. That's weird enough. And then London is kind of an old, spooky place. You're walking yes. down the dark streets of London, and you get back home to your place or you're home and you're thinking, man, I now I've got to go to bed.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you so, something. I, I, I hate to say it, but when you, to me, when you mentioned, you know, like the train in London, the, the, yeah. what comes to mind is, you know, that movie, American Werewolf in London, yeah, that that's scene where, yeah. that's, that, yeah. that's what I always, uh, to me, it's like, oh my God, that's gotta be well, that so was scary. That was, Tot- that, was Tot-
2: that was Tottenham Court Road. And that okay. wasn't far, that was not far from where I had to come from. So I came out the same area. To travel that same subway system back home. We call it the underground system. Right. It's weird. You'll hear me switching from American words to English words. It's just... Of course. It's just yeah. the way I... You but know, but I it, it, it...
1: So I imagine that must have been a long trip home, huh? It was like... It all was right.
2: Because yeah, I had a long time to sit on that train thinking about what happened. And then you just get worked up. So by the time you get in the front door, you're kind of scrambling for your keys. And then you, you get in the front door... And, um, it was late. My parents were in bed, and so i I dragged my blankets and duvet and pillow and crashed on my sister's floor and i I, I stayed there for a week.
1: <laughs> just just make sure like I'm not gonna have repeat performance of, yeah, yeah, or what people worry about is this thing gonna follow me home? but yeah, it's it's
2: that, that was on my mind and and my and one of my one of my aunts had a remedy for that once, which I did know at that time, and I used it, and I walked in the house backwards. Really? So, That's yeah. In, in their culture, my my dad's from South America, mm-hmm. Diana, and um, one of my aunts, she was saying, you know, that if you ever think anything's following you home, walk into your home backwards. So I did that.
1: And and you're I, like, I'm not taking sat- any chances. I don't care.
2: <laughs> oh, and I've done that even here in, in in Maine when I used to be part of a paranormal group. Mm-hmm. Uh, one night I left a we done done an uh, investigation in the Wilton Historical Society and I was driving home on my own across the Canton Flats, which was a, was a really spooky place at night. Fog rolls in and everything. So I'm driving across the Canton Flats on my own in my Ford Explorer back in 2007 and uh, I could feel someone pushing the back of my chair. It felt like someone had their knees in the back of the chair. Right.
1: That's I a very distinctive up, feeling, I imagine. It's,
2: uh... Yeah, it was. It, it scared me. And and I rolled the windows down, all of them, the windows all down, and I'm driving. It's freezing cold, and it's dark, and I, I put them down just to kind of make me feel like I wasn't trapped inside that car. And when I got home, I didn't even take my equipment out. I left it in the car, and I went up to the house, and I opened the door, and I walked in backwards facing um, this uh-huh. whatever. I felt was following me so that's one thing I've always known to walk in the house backwards facing out so that if it's following you it will stop it won't come in and follow you into the house
1: yes I've heard. that's that's so interesting and you never had once you had that experience it you didn't have any other experiences with that whatever it was that tried to follow you home that tried to hitch a ride with you
2: no no I, it, obviously Maybe it was just my imagination, but um, I I just maybe like to think also that my little plan worked, (laughs) you know.
1: (laughs) Let me tell you something. Usually, I mean, having, you know, well, my kids are grown up, but that's a very distinct feeling when you have somebody like pushing against the back of your seat.
2: Yeah, that's what it it felt like, a pair of knees.
1: Yeah, Um, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. I when I was uh when I was investigating more actively from I would I would smudge down my car I would open up the trunk I would go around the corner or sometimes if you know we would say oh let's you know let's go to the McDonald's uh parking lot a minute and talk because you know you're not going to do this in front of a client's home
4: no
1: so no. and people would laugh because they would see me smudging stuff down and they'd be like Marlene and I'm like Marlene Marlene is not taking any chances Because, let me tell you, if you don't think that, and this is another thing that I I told people, you know, whether this place had any paranormal agency going on or not, you know, whatever. Usually when you're doing an investigation, uh, attempting communication, whether you have a psychic on the group or not, you're going to bring in discarnates that are not tied to that location just because of what you're trying to do. So it's... um, there's also, not always, but there's a very good chance some of them will try to hitch a ride home with you, and that's the last they, thing you want.
2: And, and it can happen, and the thing the thing for me that, that really strikes a chord, and, and that's why I'm so cautious, is I know beyond any reasonable doubt that these things are real. And yeah. when I saw that shadow down in the caves, as a grown-up, you know, I'm an adult now, and I'm, I'm you know I'm still in my teens but I'm like 18, 19 when I saw that thing I wasn't the only one to see it I saw it with somebody that had no connection to me that was from a different culture that didn't hardly speak you know didn't speak English well and there's no way we could have any preconceived connection that you know we're gonna make this or manifest this imaginary thing together it happened we both saw it and I knew from that point on as an adult that these things exist and they're as real as you and i
1: well and this is the thing i mean despite your experience as a child this is what i tell everybody when you've had that firsthand experience whether even if you would have been alone nobody believes you you didn't capture proof you didn't film it it's like there's such a shift in your reality for the rest of your life like you just said that you know this is real i don't care if i I don't convince anybody about this i know what i saw i know what i experienced
2: And it's easy. It's very easy for people that haven't seen these things or experienced them to just be blasé about it and and think, oh, is that's that's nice, that's cute, that's just you know. But when you see one, yes, you then know in the back of your mind you think, is it gonna? Even even now in my house, when I turn all the lights off at night, I'm like you know I'm looking around. We've got quite a big house now. Mm-hmm. I, I look around and I, I you know you're kind of always looking for that shadow to. Appear, it's like right. it just leaves a mark on you, yes. and you just you never know when they're going to show up again, and that's what's frightening for people. And when we made the documentary, that was one of the biggest fears for people.
1: Well, let I me mean, you something. When you made your documentary, uh, did you did you interview other people? And, and one of the things I was going to ask you because I've heard of this happening that when people are doing whether it's a, a documentary or film about certain subject matter. they start having experiences.
2: We did. We had them here.
1: What happened? We had lots
2: of things happen. Well, um, during the making of the documentary, so I'm down, and I've been asked this before on radio shows, but Mm -hmm. I was down in my studio, which is in the basement editing, and it's a nice, nice studio. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I was working till like, you know, 12, 1 o'clock at night, you know, editing this thing up. And I'm sitting there, and I'm on my own. And then all of a sudden, at the corner of my eye, I see black flashes going past my French doors, just flash, flash each way, and it kept on happening. And every night I was down there, just kept on happening. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, that would be always the point at night where I shut the computer down and go to bed. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't want to be down there; it it's chills up my spine. But then one, um, well, two things happen. We have a little storage cupboard down there in the basement. And one day, we went down there, my wife tried to open it. She couldn't. I went to open it. I couldn't. It was locked from the inside. Wow. That door has a lock on the inside, and it was locked. So I ended up getting the door open. And then another night, I went down there, and it was about 8.30. I've actually got video of this I can send you. Okay. I went down there, and we had a, we have this desk down in the basement, and it was glass on the top. And I went down there, and there was glass everywhere. Every, it was almost like a car windshield had exploded. Now nobody was down there, but you know, the, the little, it looks like almost like little crystals, and it blows up like that. And all this glass was all over the floor in a thousand pieces. So I'm standing there thinking, "Who broke? Who broke the glass?" And as I'm thinking that, I, I hear this noise: "Click, click, tick, tick." And then I, I look down at the ground and the glass is moving across the floor. And I'm lo- I'm looking at it thinking, what the heck is that? So I, I had my phone in my hand. I put the video, on, and I videotaped all of this glass, and it was just jumping, it was almost like popcorn popping. It's Popping everywhere and jumping and spinning and bits and pieces flying everywhere, all over the floor. And um, so I videotaped that, I've got it on my phone still. and. I went to the manufacturer, well I bought that from Office Max and I went back to them and I said, This is dangerous. What happened here? You know, what, what could cause the table to they said we never had that happen before. And then I went online and I found people who have had glass explode on them. But um not not to that extent. It was everywhere. You know, I filled a whole shop back twice sucking the glass.
1: Ah. So yeah. that really like totally disintegrated then?
2: Into a million pieces. That's the only way to describe it. It was a million pieces. It was everywhere. We're still finding bits of it to this day. What
1: were you working on specifically when that happened? Do you remember?
2: No. I can't remember what part of the film, but it was supernatural. It obviously was that documentary. Okay. But I say that, and that has happened to me once before, but not with a tape, not with a glass desk. It was with a Pyrex teacup. So back in the day my mum had a set of these brown Pyrex tea uh, cups and saucers. Okay. And we were sitting in the kitchen. I was about 14 at the time, and my cousin Linda was sitting there, so she was about six years older than me, so she would have been 20. And my mum, we were sitting at this, um, we had like uh, those country farm tables in our kitchen. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at it, and we were just talking about stuff. And all of a sudden, um, Linda's tea cup, started vibrating, it was sitting there vibrating on the spot and you could see the tea inside rippling and the cup was making a sound as it was vibrating and it got It got faster and faster the vibration and then the tea cup just exploded and it the glass hit us all we all got hit by the glass, the tea went all over the table and we all jumped up in shock you know? we don't know what that was today. it, it could almost... have been a fox.
1: It almost sounds like a either poltergeist displaced kinetic energy, PK energy. Almost, yeah. That's very unusual.
2: Yeah, that that's the only other thing that ever happened like that in my life. But I could bring my cousin Linda and my mom and her both tell you the same story. We were all sitting at the table when it happened.
1: That that see the, and again the setting is very regular. <laughs> this is you yeah. just sitting to have a cup of tea.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was very regular. But the only thing about that house was that that's the house that I lived in when I saw, I saw the shadow person. Um, oh. But I, that, was way, that was way before. That was when I was 14.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: but the, the three guys owned the house before we took it over. And they were investors. So they had bought the house to renovate it and flip it.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: they went on a trip to Scotland. All three of them went away for the weekend. They drove up to Scotland. And their car went off the road and they were all killed in the car crash. That's how the house went on the market. Oh. Yeah. All three God. of them. Yeah. So um, their family put the house on the market and basically liquidated it. They sold it for nothing. It was right, right, yeah. It. And when we moved in there, all their stuff like was still in there that the family didn't take. We found old record players, records, and all their clothes, everything was still in the house. And it was, a, it was in a run-down state 'Cause they hadn't finished it. But that house, that's the only weird thing about that house I can think of, why anybody or anything strange would happen, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. And and and, mm. and you know what? I'm glad you point that out because some it's not necessarily that they live there because from what you're telling me that basically they invested it was an investment property.
2: Correct. Okay. It was an investment property, yeah. And um, but sometimes
1: they, when you Maybe these guys these, they were thinking, okay, this is I don't know, maybe they had done it with other properties, but you have plans you know you've invested money in it, they were obviously there to make money and maybe I mean, you know
2: yeah, and that like rate, they got that, cut off
1: at the past, they had no chance to fulfill whatever plans they had with that
2: yeah, yeah, that something happened, and their life obviously they went too soon they they you know people don't expect that to happen, but um that road was a strange road in itself. That was Thorpe Bank Road in Shepherds Bush West 12, um, you, And there's something strange about that road. For years I lived down there as a kid growing up. Okay. Out centre of the road, it was a long terraced um, road. So, meaning that all of the houses were joined. There was no gaps between them. Okay. Uh, in the centre of the road, on both sides of the road, the houses are slightly different. And you look at them, and I always used to wonder, why are those houses... It was four houses in the center of the road, on each side, was slightly different. And it wasn't until I was older, someone, an older person who lived down there told me, he said, during World War II, here we go again, Adolf Hitler, but during World War II, a Luftwaffe um, bombing force came down across um, Shepherds Bush and dropped bombs in her line and, if, and then, if you go to the road behind it and the road in front of it, all them houses in that line are all different. They wiped them all out. Oh. Bom- they carpet bombed that whole strip down, she- down Shepherd's Bush. It was off the Uxbridge Road. They carpet bombed that whole area and those houses in the centre were blown up. That's why they're all different. They were rebuilt and they're slightly different. That, oh because that,
1: that the housing the housing predated world war ii except that section that you were talking about
2: yeah exactly wow
1: yes and people don't one of the things i imagine besides the you know anybody that was killed let's say in an explosion i imagine the residual energy that's left from the terror that people yes. have experienced it's,
2: it, it, it was bad it, i wouldn't yeah, be I mean, surprised
1: if people that lived in those houses maybe had residual, like, like you said, like, uh, even if there was no actual entity there, but feeling anxiety, fear, I want to bust out of here. And it's like, it was probably, maybe possibly residual left over from it imprinted itself in the fabric of that space.
2: It could be, it very well could be. I mean, the, the road itself was, it had an eerie feeling about it at night, definitely had an eerie feeling,
1: but, um, yeah i mean i've heard that yeah because sometimes when the when you when the bombings took place i i know that that there was an alarm system but sometimes those things happened and it caught people unaware right as far as the the occupants
2: yeah you would have heard the air raid sirens because i grew up hearing those anyway um we used to have attacks by the irish um, republican army the ira Mm -hmm. and every now and then you'd be asleep in bed and you'd just hear the air raid siren go off you know just like World war two and you jump up out of bed and and you wonder what the hell was that and then some nights you'd actually hear the bomb go off but um it was crazy time
1: you know what i you know i I was born here and grew up here in miami and you know we had the uh, cuban missile crisis in the 60s and I remember when I was a kid, they would have every day. They would have a siren that was that would just go. They would test it. They would test it every day. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah I would hear it going, uh, you Yeah, know.
2: it's that um, winding up sound. That kind of yeah. eerie. When you hear it, it's just eerie.
1: Yeah, and eventually, you know. But yeah, they would that that they would keep test. It, it was tested by the way religiously every day for years, as I, would, cause I was because of a kid. I, you know, after a while, you don't even listen to it anymore because you realize it's, they're just testing the alarm system. But, right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's quite an experience as far as when you start. And but in your case, that it wasn't a test. That was a real thing. That was a real no. thing. And you know what? And and that's another thing, Paul, because Sometimes people imagine, especially when it comes to the U.K. and London, they always think of these old time ghosts, like, you know, Renaissance or Elizabethan yeah. or everything. It's like God. There's so many things that have happened there. When I say recent, recent history, as in. World War II uh, all these other events that have taken place there
2: it's like I saw a, a post a, a few weeks ago here in Maine they said our state is like 200 and something years old and yes, I thought yeah. I've lived in houses older than that yes. you know
1: <laughs> yeah 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 it's yeah. exactly exactly that that and from what I understand uh, in the UK it's sometimes they would just build the, the, a new house on the foundations of maybe an older house yeah, um, yeah so basically you were you still had the effects of from what i understand stuff that sometimes dated back to maybe 10th 11th 12th century in some cases you know on some type of um on some type of properties i imagine and, so, and i imagine even after a while people don't as um yeah sometimes i look up the, a lot of the things of archaeology and i've seen even in london proper that they'll be doing excavation for a building and they'll discover uh, a forgotten cemetery nor a bomb, um, yeah, World War II. Or a bomb. Really?
2: It's very, <laughs> oh yeah, very common. And um, there's a there's an actual website. Um, it, I forget the, the name of the website, but it's like bombmaps.co.uk. Or if you Google bomb maps, World War II bomb maps UK, you'll come up with it. And it will show a map of all of the bombs that were dropped in London, and then all of the unexploded ordnance that they discovered afterwards. And my uncle used to work in the um, building trade and he, it, it used to happen so often, it was like, you know, any other day event for a builder, when they um, started excavating a site in London, they would find these old unexploded World War II bombs. I and mean, people don't understand in the States sometimes how many bombs were dropped on London City. And London, a lot of it was built on clay. A lot of the houses, are the foundations below... The, the actual natural ground is clay so these bombs would enter one street and they would travel for like you know 100 200 yards under the ground in clay and they would just sit there so now you've got these bombs embedded under the houses in London all over the place so when they clear a site and they start digging they'd find them and then they were they would call in the bomb disposal I was squads, about to blog. ask you.
1: Those bombs were still alive. They could have exploded.
2: Of course they were. Yeah, they used to, they used to de- detonate them.
1: Oh, my God.
2: It was, a, it was a regular occurrence. They're still finding them now.
1: That is hard. I mean, you, you're absolutely right. Nobody that's lived in a city that's been bombed would understand that.
2: No, it was crazy. I mean, I, I was lucky enough and honored. I feel honored that I knew some of these people that lived through that. Yes. Um, when I grew up as a kid in the 70s around Shepherds Bush, um, a lot of the old people used to love us as kids. We used to go, you know, hang out and talk to them and they would tell us all the stories of what they... We
0: did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right that's why there's only one best network verizon best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined not specific to 5g networks you might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately yep sprint stores are now t-mobile stores now that sprint is t-mobile you get more coverage value and benefits than ever before We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required.
2: Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. We went through um, during World War II and what shaped our neighborhood, you know, why this was like I told you the houses why why they looked the way they looked and things that happened that we would never have known about because it was not recorded in a in a way right. that we could access to it
1: exactly exactly yeah. and firsthand experiences stuff like you said that otherwise is not documented anywhere unless you hear it orally from somebody like what you described that said I had this experience or I knew of these things yeah and and and, and for once that person dies, unless they happen to write a book or told somebody else, that's it. That story dies with them or that experience exactly. dies with them.
2: I, I've got I've got stories from around that area, not to get off on a tangent, but mm-hmm. um, that, that kids down there now, they, they probably don't know. And if I ever went back down there, I could turn them I could say, hey, you know why that house is different. They, they wouldn't know. They just wouldn't know.
1: That. Let me tell you something. To me, that's that's extremely. I mean, it's very historical, but it's very. want to say frightening in the way of that people maybe don't understand yeah because unless you live through it yeah or you had a parent or grandparent that lived through it and to tell you about it you have you could see it but you have no way of relating to it you just it's like well that that generation
2: they suffer they went through a lot
1: yes yes and and and, uh let me tell you something just the thought of that is is horrifying that that you let's face it you're unless you make it to a bomb shelter and even then you know uh right. and that that's that that's a, how can i say it's living in a constant state of fear you understand where you yeah. don't know when that something's going to happen that let me tell you something. that's extremely stressful
2: for exactly for six years and that same underground system the underground subway system I travelled on to come home that night. That's the same underground system that used to house all of these people all across London at night. Wow. They would be down in those tunnels, on the platforms, and they would hear upstairs in uh, at ground level. They're they're like ninety feet below, but at ground level, you would hear the bombs pounding oh. the city above you. Oh my
1: God, that has got to be, and then you don't know what you're going to find. No. when you go up
2: is your house still there
1: exactly you know? exactly and what if i imagine this if you know what if it happened where you don't know where some of your family members are at that moment and you're hoping that they're okay
2: yeah yeah all of that happened i studied i studied world war 2 at school and that was one of the subjects that absolutely fascinated me and um the things that the things that they used to go through uh, it's just unbelievable yeah. i wouldn't wish that on anyone no
1: no and again it's like uh, again it's a day-to-day thing and this is a, one of the things it's a civilian population that people don't understand because when you're a soldier and you go to war you're you know you're a soldier but when you're a civilian mm-hmm. and you have a family or you have children that you're trying to protect ah, that's let me tell you, that's a constant 24 7 stress right there Talk about anxiety, it's like, okay, that's anxiety, that is stress, that's true stress right
2: here. And just so you know, luckily, uh, most of the children were taken as, um, when they were young, and they were shipped out of London, and they went to live with um, families who, uh, not adopted them, but temporarily. Yeah,
1: I've heard that that they had places where they would take the children out of the, I guess what, because out in the countryside, they weren't getting bombed, right?
2: Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's but,
1: but still, Paul, think about pain. it. If you have children, you still, you're, you're. That's that's a very. Yeah, I mean, you want to protect your child, but still, it's a very difficult thing to do, to send your child but away.
2: To give to give them away to somebody you don't even know.
1: Oh, especially if you have a young child. No. no yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. That may tell you so. There's, must be so many stories there, and I'm getting. Yeah. And, and as far as the supernatural, the paranormal, I'm sure that there's. Uh, a lot of experiences or hauntings that are tied to things that happened, uh, as a result of w- what happened.
2: Yeah, and that's what kind of led us down that pathway. Is just the the, the sheer history of that that city and what could explain a lot of, a lot of what we see and experience. You know, so I think that that's, there's some connection there.
1: Well, you yeah, like I said, it's not only sightings. But you know feelings like you said sometimes where you'll get to certain places or that you just feel so uh, that you want to get out of there. Like I, I you know I don't know what it is, but I feel like I need to leave. And some or when you feel something that you're like, why am I feeling so anxious or why am I feeling like this? And sometimes it has to do with something that was experienced, uh, yeah, by people there previously. And when what when you started um. When you started this last uh, documentary, The Supernatural Assault, uh, did you, were you able to interview other people that have had experiences like yours, Paul, as far as uh, with shadow Yeah, people? well, let me,
2: let me explain how Supernatural Assault wasn't a, document, a documentary that I ever planned to make. Okay. What happened was I, in 2007, made a documentary film called Your Worst Nightmare. Okay. which was about sleep paralysis. And I don't know if you you know what that is. Yes. So, yes. so for anyone who doesn't know, um, a lot of people have this one in five people worldwide will have this experience where they wake up at night and they're unable to move, cry out, speak, anything. They just can't move, but they're wide awake and they're fully conscious. And, and during this time, it's a very strange time for someone to wake up in that state, um... People often report, they hear shuffling footsteps. Some people report feeling a tremendous pressure bearing down on them. Some people actually say that they feel like they've been choked. But um, I had that happen to me, and it's a normal human experience. You know, sleep paralysis itself isn't supernatural, Mm -hmm. but some of the things that people report happening to them during sleep paralysis kind of borders on strange. And um, I was making this documentary Mm -hmm out of interest. And a lot of the people during the interview process were telling us about seeing, you know, they were seeing these shadow beings, these entities in their rooms that were fully formed, humanoid form. Some were on top of people, some were assaulting people. And um, we hadn't planned for this. This wasn't something that I even, you know, thought. Because when I had sleep paralysis, I just had the physical effect. I did hear an audio effect, like a a audible effect. I heard a whispering sound, but that could be put down to my lucid conscious state. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I never saw anything. Now, these people were telling us they were seeing stuff. So this was happening one after the other, and I said at the time let me just collate all of these interviews because I think there's another documentary here and I obviously had had my shadow encounter as a kid and the one as an adult in in the late 80s in the cave so I had some sort of interest in that so I thought let let, let me keep those, there's something here so in 2009 I started another round of interviews and I actually put out a, um, a bulletin across the web and Facebook to find People who had seen these things and Mm -hmm. and Craigslist as well. And um, I started to get straight away. The first day, I got like three people contact me saying, We've seen these things, and I'd like they were interested in talking to me. So I called them up, and um, one thing led to another, and they came and interviewed. So I ended up getting a whole bunch of interviews of people um, in that time period. And then Things happened, life happened, and I never got to make the documentary. But I still had the, the interviews. So 2017 came along, and I decided I've got to get this thing finished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, enough. Yeah. So I started putting out feelers again, and I got more interviews. And um, so I've got interviews from the original f- 2007, mixed in with more current ones, and some from 2009. And there was one interview that stood out for me in 2009, a lady called Dawn Howley. And she first encountered the shadow... Well, her daughter first encountered the shadow being that ended up on their property. They apparently followed the daughter home. And then Dawn took her dog out one night um, to go to the bathroom before she went to bed. And she had a dog on a leash, and she was walking her around the perimeter of the property... And then she looked up onto um, between the trees, and there it was. A tall, dark, shadowy silhouette of a human standing right in front of her. And it walked towards her, and then when she kind of looked, gasped, you know, she gasped and made a sound. It done exactly what the one I saw done down in the caves. It just ran. It just went and disappeared. So that was the first encounter she had, and she was telling us about that. And then she got progressively worse um, in her emotional state as she was going along this interview path. And then she got to the point where she was telling us about one night she was um, dozing off while she was watching the news. She said she was watching the Rachel Maddow show. Mm -hmm. And um, she said she was um, sitting in the armchair with her arm over the back of the chair and she dozed off in that position and then she was awake she woke up to find one of those shadow things or beings standing over her and it grabbed her arm yeah, it grabbed her arm and all so it started pulling her over the back of this armchair and she managed to yank her arm free from this um, entity, the shadow being and she jumped up. And when she jumped up, it wasn't there. It was gone. So she got, she started crying on the film. She was crying her eyes out. And I said, you know, we stopped the film. And I said to Dawn, I said, why are you, why are you getting so upset? I, I said, I've, just to let you know, we believe you and I've seen these things myself. But why are you getting so upset? And she said to me, I, I truly believe that they're trying to kill me. Gonna kill me, she said. So, um, I said to her, Don't say that, you don't put that out there, don't ever think that because you don't want to bring anything weird to you. And she was kind of a very nervous type person, you know, very nervous energy. But then, anyway, she went away. And a while after that, we got a telephone call, and uh, it was someone calling us to tell us my wife took the call, um, that Dawn was found dead in her house. Oh. She was found dead in her house, and she died on or around her birthday. So her her death date was actually marked as one day before her birthday. And she was 54 years old. And when we tried to inquire about her death, all we could find out was they said it was natural causes at 54. Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's like...
2: It was weird. It was absolutely bizarre. And she died. So we dedicated the entire film to her memory and um you know her story's in there she's in there telling her story and there's reenactments showing exactly what happened to her as far as when she was describing her story
1: and and i've heard also some uh, one time i was speaking to somebody who said that same thing it was a, a man that uh apparently he was ill he was ill with something he had and he started seeing this shadow person Right and it was almost like a tie-in to i don't want to say the grim reaper it wasn't but it was there's been uh instances where i've seen it connected either harbinger of disaster or almost like when somebody's going to die uh things like that i mean there's other times that people just see it and it has nothing to do with any event like that
2: yeah uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, these these things they're real I'm, i'm not i'm not even joking when i say this people out there listening to this podcast, these things are real. And I can't prove they exist because you, obviously you have to capture one yes, or, or, or be able to capture it on film. And you're never prepared for them. Of course They not. just come and come. But science cannot prove they don't exist. And, and people often have asked me, they laugh about it, you know, and I say, why are you laughing? I mean, it's just ignorant. Don't laugh at stuff you can't explain just because you're embarrassed about your well, inability to explain
1: it for some people and, and this is the thing once once they have that experience though there's no like i say once you have the knowing you can't unknow it no okay you can't and, unsee you seeing exactly and i think some people uh they don't even have the open mind because they're really truly terribly afraid of having their yeah. reality uh, like i if i laugh or make fun of it or discount it absolutely it's not going to happen to me
2: no. Well, it could. And the thing about it is that the, the biggest fear for people we found um, was that once it happens to you, what's more terrifying about it, especially if it materializes in your bedroom or, or physically you know interacts with you, you don't know when it's going to come back. You can't stop it because it can come through the walls. You, can't, you, yes. you, you just don't know what to expect. And that's what's frightening for people. The fact that they cannot control that thing from coming into their rooms.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, and when you were talking about early about the sleep paralysis or call it a night hack, yes, I've heard, you know, like you said, there's a thing where sometimes you wake up and that the part of your nervous system that keeps you from acting out so that you don't go walking or sleepwalking or acting out kind of like they're a little bit. They're not in sync. So that's why you have the, I'm awake in my head, but my body doesn't respond. And it's kind of scary because nobody likes that. But yes, I've heard of other people that have, they, like you said, they hear things, they see figures. Uh, It's really horrifying the experiences they have.
2: It is. And, and, And my belief about this, and I've been asked this before, what do I think they are? I think from what I've seen and the people I've spoken to, um, and other people that have seen stuff similar to me. And the way that they react, like Dawn telling me that that thing, when she when it really saw her and she let out a gasp, it ran. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, it ran. Or when that lady screamed, sorry, and we saw it, it ran. And there's another story. I'll quickly tell it yes, um, because it ties into this. Uh, a lady called Polly Gear. she's a paranormal investigator down south. And I'm going to send you this picture Okay. Um, so you can use it. Um, she done an investigation in a prison, and she contacted me around 2007, 2008, and she said that she went up to the first floor in this prison, and she walked into a cell, and she was on her own. So she had a flashlight and her camera, and she walked into the cell, and when she walked into the cell, she saw standing over by the small windows that they have in the cell one of these shadow beings, and it was a tall humanoid shadow being and it was just looking out the window. So she took her flashlight and she turned it on to the, it was probably already on, but she turned it on to the onto the being itself. And when the shadow person, whatever you want to call it, saw the light beam, hit it, it put its arm up into the light ray. It put its arm up into the beam and it was moving its arm up and down through the beam in a curious way, like it was saying, what is this? And it was just doing that. She said it didn't turn around. It was just fascinated by the light beam. And then she said she put her camera up and clicked. And when she clicked, it turned around and looked at her and then went, oof, right through the wall, gone. It was from the cell that she was in, and it ran into the cell to the right, just went straight through the wall. She never saw it again. But then she went down the stairs to go and... Tell people what she, the other group members, what she had seen, and when she got down the bottom of the steps and she stepped into the mess hall where the prisoners would have eaten, right. she said she had she had her camera in her hand and she had the sensation it was behind her, and she turned round really quickly and just snapped, and when she'd done that, she caught it and she's got it on film and she sent me the picture.
1: Let me take. That's and incredible. I,
2: I've got the photograph of the shadow being standing there looking at her.
1: That's so fascinating, the part that it's like basically, I don't want to say playing, but the, the, the flashlight beam, it, it was like a, it wasn't aware of her, in other words. And once no. it became aware of her, everything changed.
2: Exactly. And we don't know. See, here's my thing, Marley. I don't know whether they're reacting to the visual sighting of us or they're reacting to sound because everything, everything that I've seen and that I've been told, it seems to be that they're reacting to sound. And they're hearing something that's spooking them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you open up what's going on about what I believe they are, the universe or everything around us is made up of matter. Yes. And science can only measure 5% of all that exists. Yes. The rest of the matter, the 95% that they can't measure or see or interact with, they term it collectively as dark matter. So they don't know what it is. But they just call it dark matter. But we do know it's there, but we can't measure it and exactly. what's in it. So if everything that we can perceive, see, smell, touch, taste, hear, and experience in this reality exists in the five percent that we can measure. What the hell could possibly exist in the ninety five percent that we can't?
1: Very that's see, that's when the that's when the edges of reality become very misty and they fall off into the never never. Yes. yes what is out there what of course and you know there I mean but and that's the thing uh, a lot of people they want their reality they're afraid of of confronting the possibility of what's out there beyond what our five senses usually see
2: correct the, the, and it's and it, a lot of people just shut down they can't yeah. take it but I believe that these shadow beings are another form of life. I believe that these shadow beings are intelligent. I believe that they are um, able to out of free will move they're not like a program ghost or Mm -hmm. you know a a recurring thing that just appears on like November 14th every 50 years. Mm -hmm. These things are intelligent and they're like I believe they have life and um, the thing about it is everything that we see has a vibrational frequency to it. Everything exists on a frequency range. What if these um, shadow people are actually a life form that exists just beyond our five-sense reality on an alternate vibrational yes. frequency range? Yeah. And then something happens momentarily, some weird yeah, we thing happens. And we
1: merge happen. or something dissolves or...
2: Our, our worlds collide. Yeah. And we see them visually and they hear us. Yes. So what if something's happening, vibrating, I mean, everything around us that we see, like you're sitting in your home now, mm-hmm. everything, uh, the walls, the computer, uh, everything you see is an illusory image. It's a second hand image because, and for the listeners out there, your eyes, the light from the walls or the whatever you're looking at will, will pass into your eyes, and then when they hit the back of your eyes, That image is then converted into an electrical impulse. It's no longer a a visual and reflective image. It's an electrical impulse that travels through your brain, through miles of neurological pathways in complete darkness. There's no light inside your brain. And then at the back of your brain, those um, impulses form your brain based on your belief your perception and everything that you you've learned as reality it stitches together and reproduces an image a secondary image to give you a a, a representation of the external world what is out in your room and somewhere in that image um, the electrical image there could be a disruption there could be something that happens that allows you to momentarily pick up on a frequency range that you right. normally wouldn't see and it allows you
1: to we can only into- capture a certain uh, as far the refraction and the light pr- uh, color prisms there's only so much that our eyes actually yeah, capture.
2: 400 to 700 yeah. na- um, oh, you know about the electromagnetic spectrum from gamma rays to radio waves we're right in the middle of that and this is a huge expanse of um, waves that we can um, electromagnetic waves that we can measure In the center of that is the visible light spectrum, which is 400 to 700 nanometers. And um, that's all we can perceive. Well, I mean, we're practically blind out there. We can only, it was 0.034 or 35% of all that exists Mm -hmm. that we can measure. That's all we can see. We can't see nothing. So, right, exactly.
1: Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, even a bee, a bumblebee flying around, will have a different perception of our world than we have because it can pick up on the UV that we can't see. There are creatures like some certain um, reptiles that can pick up on the infrared, the IR range yes. we can't see. So we can have a different pers- you know, perspective or, or experience if Absolutely. something triggers in our minds to cause us to be able to pick up on those frequency ranges.
1: Right, it's almost like parallel realities that exist and then, you know, of course, then we can go into, you know, parallel dimensions or, uh, you know, do they are they really parallel or, you know, do they ex- exist uh, separately? But then every once in a while, you know, you know, like in Ghostbusters, you cross the streams and something happens where there's yes. a rift. Yeah. It sounds that experience that you had in those caves, Paul, what you saw yeah. that that, sound, that sounds like a portal that was opening.
2: Yeah. And, I, I, and you know what? If I if I go back to England, I might go back and visit those caves, and I'm going to that exact same spot to see, well, you know, let me
1: tell you just things.
2: just to refresh my mind and see what you know, because it was a long time ago. I'd love to see it all again.
1: <laughs> but, um, I say, leave, you know but, what? When uh, you have that experience, just remind yourself of those words, because right then and there, you're probably going to be thinking, "Who told me that?" I, yeah, I, I know. Wanted to have this experience again, yeah, it's. But you are very lucky to have it. And that is, that is, that is one of those once in a lifetime experiences. Um, Uh, sometimes people see things, but you actually saw what sounded like a portal opening between our plane, whatever it is, you want to call it our dimension and something else that popped through. Exactly. Uh, And
2: I'm glad I had it because, um, at least I know now there's more to reality than we know.
1: Absolutely. Well, Paul, I want to thank you so, so much for spending this time with me. It has been absolutely wonderful. I am going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show, but for my podcast listeners, what is the website where they can find you at?
2: Yeah, if you go to www.darkelementfilms, with an S, films.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Com, dark Element Films. you can read all about supernatural assault, read all about um, another aspect of it that ties into it that um, about the gin that we didn't really cover, oh, yes. and um, you can watch the trailer and you can stream the documentary film immediately if you want to have a look at it. You can stream it, or you can um, order a DVD or Blu-ray. It's all Perfect. available at DarkElementFilms.com.
1: Excellent, excellent. I, I let me tell you something. Oh, darn that thing about the gin because I know that. That lady has been getting a lot of attention because people don't realize really what are the roots of the jinn per se as it relates to uh, the supernatural world and entities and because everybody wants to try to pigeonhole things like this type Yes. and the jinn <laughs> is something that I think a lot a lot of people don't really understand what is the jinn.
2: No, I mean it's the jinn is another animal altogether, meaning that. It, to cover it, it would it would take six part series, you know. Right. But the jinn is just to, in, a, in in brief is is connected to the shadow people. A lot of people believe worldwide that the jinn and the shadow people are the same and one. And in the Islamic culture, we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable
0: network by Metrics for the sixteenth time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again.
2: Thousand years or more even to pre-islamic culture um, The jinn are mentioned there's a chapter in the Quran chapter 72 the chapter of the jinn that talks all about them And they believe I've spoken to Islamic um, scholars They believe the shadow people and the jinn are are, are the same in the one
1: and I believe that the jinn I mean they they're they're considered malevolent like that. They can even cause somebody to die, right? I
2: mean I mean there's there's good and bad Apparently, good and bad jinn, but there's malevolent ones too, and um, they're mischievous. And there's there's a rift between them and mankind because mm-hmm. in the beginning, there were angels and jinn on the earth, and then man came along. So the jinn were ostracized over there was a dispute around that time about, you know, the um, God wanting the jinn to bow down to man. And they refused and right. apparently they were batched from this dimension into another now that's a whole different kettle of fish to talk right. about but and a lot of people may find that all hard to swallow but a lot right. of people in those areas believe that the jinn and the shadow people are connected and they right. are and the and same it's thing. a
1: non-human entity and yes yeah. yes well, we have to, please paul you have to go yeah. back and we have to talk about the jinn
2: <laughs> yes definitely definitely and,
1: it has been wonderful to speak to you it's so interesting and i'm going to urge everybody like i said to go to your website so they can see the film and i absolutely i would love to speak to you again just so that we could delve into that subject about the jinn and the connection to shadow people etc because yeah. i think a lot of people don't understand exactly I, I want to say that there's people out there maybe that think of the jinn or the genie you know but in the very
2: the the same thing theatrical That's what
1: way you know, not that, not, not a true understanding basically of what you just described. What are the actual, uh, antecedents? Where, where did it arise from?
2: Uh, well, you, you want me to answer that now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the, um, the word jinn in, in in the Arabic culture, it means conceal or to hide the unseen that they they're Apparently they emanate from the world of the unseen. So that's where the jinn come from. And the jinn in their culture, um, collectively, they, they call them demons. Uh, you know, evil spirits and stuff like that. But in Christianity, we have demons, demonology and all that. They're, they're the same thing. They're talking about the exact same thing. Okay. Just different terms. And um, the genie ties into this because the genie is another term for gin.
3: Right. And it,
2: Hollywood is even, um, you know, oh, yeah. gin are all over the place in Hollywood. They're in movies. There's a new movie coming out with Will Smith. Um, the genie and really? there's been movies um yeah there's been movies um, I can't remember the name of the movie they used one the military the US military used the gin. sorry to um to, to to spy for them to go and get documents from another nation Iran really that's so
1: interesting.
2: Yeah, but it's a really big movie I can't remember what it was I wish I'd written it down but anyway, there's this evil witch djinn, and it's um, they use it. And it's jet black, like a shadow, with these glowing ember eyes. And they send her out to get stuff from the Iranians. And the funny thing about it is the Iranians were actually accused. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article on the Iranian government. And they apparently used djinns to spy on their enemies. And when approached and asked the, the minister, I can't remember what department he was in, but the, like their Minister of Defense or something like that admitted right. he said why wouldn't we use gin everyone else uses them he says Mossad used them everyone uses <gasps> them so um this is written the Wall Street Journal published this story you can look it up I, Um that
1: is incredible yeah,
2: yeah the gin are re- you know this, this is real um, these people are using them
1: because you always yeah you know- the general knowledge of the jinn is you always think of the genie and granting you three wishes you know if you you know or aladdin's you know uh, that kind of uh you know that's what people sometimes relate when you think of genie you know the uh that you're going to get a wish and you got to be careful because sometimes it's like a a a mixed blessing because you don't end up getting really what you want yes Uh, but a lot of people don't realize exactly what is the history which is quite ancient
2: as yeah, and they I'm they not mixed. Them. Like um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley is the actual expert, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Gin, I kind of I made a documentary, and I learned a lot from her, and I gleaned a lot from other people. I like to talk about shadow people and stuff, and I do know a lot about the gin, but I'm I'm not an expert on them, but I can talk about them. So, but I'm willing to um, down yes. the road come back and. Absolutely. We'll discuss it. We'll brush up on my gin knowledge and, and will Be my pleasure. We'll just,
1: Believe me, there's plenty that we can talk about. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had
2: a like I said, I had a radio show and I used to cover a broad spectrum of subjects. So there's not much I can't I can't talk about. I'm on some crazy path now. A lot of your listeners would laugh at if I told you. Go ahead.
1: But have
2: you heard of the flat earth? Yes. Well, I'm I'm. Looking at that now, I found some documentary films that have shaken me to my core. And it was yeah. not that these people are crazy; the evidence that they're providing is so damning, I can't refute it. So now I'm looking into it. Right. I want to see what's going on. And I watched a debate today between a um, a flat Earth expert, a guy who's researched all of this, and a physicist okay. who is a highly respected physicist. And the physicist is destroyed in minutes.
3: Really, That's to the
2: point where, yeah, to the point where he's babbling for words because he can't even he can't even realize how ridiculous he sounds.
1: Let me tell you something. That right there, I'm to talk about people like like oh, uh, that that that, no pun intended, would be earth shattering.
2: It is. I mean, like it, it's shocking. It's shocking. Because All of your viewers. Go and look up the Gleason maps from the UK that were published um, in a place in England called Blackheath. And they were marked as the true and accurate record of the planet Earth prior to the globe being introduced. Look at the Gleason maps and you'll see what the Earth was supposed to look like back then. And that same map is funny, is used cross-culturally. The Chinese have it. The um, Mayans had, everybody had that same map, the Gleason map. And Gleason, when it, when it was created, that map came from ancient records. So there are maps predating the Gleason map that actually look the same as the Gleason map. And that's what the Earth looks like. And one right. quick story, one quick story, well, yes. before I go, a little, uh, a little breadcrumb to follow. There was a flight that left the Philippines um, and it had on board a pregnant lady and the, f- the flight, during the flight, she, her waters broke and she was going to give birth to this child. So it was flying from the Philippines to Los Angeles, right, which was a straight okay. shot across the ocean. Right. What happened was the plane had to make an emergency landing, and they went from the Philippines to Alaska, and they landed in Alaska. And when asked why they went to Alaska, like, it was well out of the way. they said that it it, it was the quickest route to get to to a hospital uh, or to get to medical attention if you look at the gleason map it all makes sense really alaska actually you come across alaska from the philippines before you hit los angeles really because you always
1: think of it as being much further north yeah like exactly like yeah like you're gonna have to veer off north exactly northeast almost to hit alaska
2: exactly our brains scramble like when we try to compute this but yes. just so your audience knows um we're not talking about the world is flat like a piece of paper imagine a basketball cut in half and the top half is gone and the world sits on that plane so it's still round, right. but they're saying it's, it's, it's flat level not a ball like that was introduced right. 500 years ago Because copernicus introduced that globe um that, that that globe. Yes, exactly. We were, we were, but prior to that everybody believed it was the way that all of the maps, like the Gleason map, portray the Earth. Right. So I even the United right. Nations, the United Nations flag right. is an accurate representation. Oh, did I lose him? And that is something to think about. Why are they putting that in our face?
1: That is very so interesting. I,
2: Yeah, I'm on this on I'm on this like journey just looking at it I'm not gonna say I can prove it or I Mm -hmm. believe it what and but there's enough Information there to um, to realize that there's something wrong
1: Yes, that's very interesting. Uh, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of of what that Gleason map. I had no idea whatsoever about that Uh, and you know Again, I think there's sometimes a lot of tie-ins between ancient civilizations that supposedly had no connection, or that they didn't have any way, and they say still have the same information.
3: Yeah, I they think all in have some cases
1: same. that that raises a lot of questions about a lot of different theories. Like, how would these different civilizations that were thousands of miles apart and sup- supposedly had no connection or contact, yes. ha- had the same information, of, 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 or version of the same thing.
2: Yeah, they had it because um, we are not new. This, I mean, a lot of people believe we're we're a, a successor. Uh, you know, we're in another cycle of the human race. Mm-hmm. There apparently have been people here before or races or civilizations way more advanced than us. And you can tell by the architecture that, that exists on our planet to this day that there has been someone here prior to us that knew more about things than we do.
1: Yes, yes. And yeah. I think that well and, and i think a, a lot of discoveries are also being made now with satellite uh camera photography things that are being yeah. now seen that you, before just you just couldn't see it they're discovering no. a lot of things now uh anomalies on the earth, surface of the earth
0: yeah yeah th- that they a can't lot. explain
1: whether it's uh, buildings or pyramids or things that are that over time they have basically they you couldn't see it but that there's something underneath the ground there
2: yeah there's a lot, and I, I'll send you some um, some video links. They're documentaries that I've that caught my eye that made me get sort of more interested in this. Okay, I'll send you some documentaries yes. that will absolutely shake you to your core.
1: I would love to see them. Please send them to me.
2: I'll send them to you tonight.
1: Fantastic. Again, thank you so much, Paul. You have been absolutely wonderful, and I want to wish you the best of luck on any new projects that you've got thank there. You, I, I know. I know. We paid. talked a little bit earlier. Uh, before we start recording how life gets in the way and we're all busy but uh, yes yes it sounds like there's there's material there somehow or other. I get that feeling that there's stuff that you've got cooking there
2: oh yeah and I'm thinking of exploring this um, this idea I just spoke about and if it if it is it may turn into a film of my own perfect but the thing is it's dangerous because YouTube are now um, flagging all the flat earth videos what? when you go to what they're, they're flagging them as dangerous content
1: are you serious I had not yeah. heard that. Oh,
2: I, I come across one, come across one today, and um, I went to click on it, and it says this video could be inappropriate or dangerous um, or harmful. Do you wish to proceed? And I said, sure, I do. And what they're doing is they're censoring, they're censoring this. There's I can't.
1: What? What? what I'm I'm sorry, but what is dangerous? <laughs> that I don't. Yeah. I just. I, you know what? I'm I'm going. To, to me i mean it's some i'm not gonna even go there because I, uh, that's a whole nother show but I, I i i just don't understand that I, I i believe that you know what free expression of ideas some things you could disagree some you could go that person's a lunatic you know whatever you know well, marley
2: it's, it's not about that from what no. i found out what they're trying to do is if you go to these videos, they have received millions, three, four, yeah. five million. There's one guy who released a video yesterday, he's got eighteen million followers. You know
1: what? I was about to say that. It, it they they yeah. wouldn't have done it unless it was getting a lot of attention. You're absolutely
2: exactly right. when you've got presidents when you've got presidents talking about this, like yes. Obama, Google or not Google, YouTube, Obama Flat Earth. Okay. he mentioned this 10, 15 times about flat earth, trying to convince people the earth was round, and you say it's not flat, why would a president stoop so low as to entertain these right. people if it really, truly cracked on Unless
1: us? there was something there in the mix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So There's...
2: think about that, and I'll send you some stuff. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. Paul, thank you. Take care.
2: You too. It's been a pleasure.
1: Likewise. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, guys what a great talk but I'm telling you you know what this oh (laughs) let's 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 start with the uh, with his childhood experiences and it was really funny because before we recorded you know I mean I knew from his by that he had had an experience as a child And I told you know what you're very brave there's a lot of people that once they would have had that experience especially as a child they would never ever ever go near much less do a documentary or 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 anything having to do with shadow people or anything along those lines I said but then the other half (laughs) and you know what what he talked about that even now to this day so many 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 years later he still sleeps with his face covered because he never wants the possibility that if he ever gets another visitation i mean <laughs> my, my imagination was an overdrive it wasn't only seeing a shadow person but this thing whatever it was was basically had its face close to you. I, 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 that poor kid, as a child, I mean, I feel him. Like I know he's an adult there, but no wonder he just like said to his parents, guess what? This is my room now. That's incredible. But I have heard of that. Um, whether it's a shadow, because I have heard of ghosts and apparitions that initially look like shadow people. Okay because I'm gonna use a shadow person as a terminology for a non-human entity but I have heard that sometimes there are ghosts apparitions which are human human origin in other words, that initially might appear as shadow people either because they don't have enough energy to basically be seen just that the, that all you see is an outline uh. And then there the you know, I've heard of people saying initially when they had sightings of this ghost, they first see it as a solid black mass, and then later on they start seeing more details, and then they're able to describe it. And then there's other people that's you know, of course we have the shadow man, tall, there's the hat man, which is a version of it, which is I've heard it with cowboy hat, I've heard it with a top hat, I've heard it with a hat, I even heard of it with a bowler hat. Uh, then there's the ones that I, that are like a hooded monk kind of thing or Grim Reaper. Um, and I'm not going to say, because without really knowing, but the, the consensus somewhere along the line is that shadow people are malevolent or there's something kind of very, um, That when people, when humans come across them, they inspire dread. Okay. And in some cases, I've heard that they're portenders of death and disaster. Uh, In other words, uh, where people have uh, seen them, never seen them before, then once they have a sighting of them more than once, something there's either a death in the family, a disaster, or sometimes like what he was describing in his documentary, which I urge everybody to see it, where uh, this lady uh, actually pretends your own death. Okay, and, and, and as a matter of fact, there's a lot of sometimes myths from different cultures and countries all over the world that it, even if you see a shadow person or you see certain things, uh, you know how they have the banshee which is like if you hear the banshee, like in Ireland, it's supposed to be a portender. Like, you know, you would have, let's say, certain families that would have their own personal banshee. And that if you heard the ba- like in other words, if you hear it, it would portend the death of a family member. And in some cases, if you saw it, then it was portending your death. I mean, there are different variations of this type of phenomena. Uh, but no, shadow people is usually. Uh, they come across as not being really a good thing. Like in other words, seeing a shadow person, unless it happens to be an entity that just can, for some reason, cannot materialize fully. Uh, And it's really funny because, yeah, there's shadow people, which is the, like I said, they're tall. And I've seen also, I've heard of entities where they're not really shadow, but they're seen as very black, swirling mist or fog that sometimes are attached to malevolent hauntings made possibly demonic, non-human, or just very dark hauntings that this is part of what's seen by the people involved. But that's almost like a different kind of thing from the shadow people um, type of experience and what we we was talking about the the sleep paralysis and uh, I've had it not that often thank god And it's a very disquieting feeling when you're awake and you can't make your body move because you want to make your body move uh but there's people that experience this very very common you know like it's common for them and on top of it then they start hearing and seeing things almost like they feel like they're being haunted or victimized by this entity, but only under these circumstances. There are people that describe being choked, something sitting on their chest. Uh, I mean, very, very traumatic and horrific, for lack of a better word. So, I mean, there's a lot of things anyway. I'm hoping I I would love to bring back Paul and talk about the djinn because, again, that's another entity. You know this is that that that's that's uh uh uh, an entity that's very ancient but i think sometimes we get like i say the the hollywood version you know like uh either cartoons i remember when i was growing up they had the shazam you know very or aladdin or very um almost like you know rub the rub the lamp and the genie comes out and grants you three wishes or basically or in gratitude for letting them out i've also heard certain versions where you know that kind of but that's it and, and but none of it really alludes to what he was describing about the real origins of the genies and i did not know i had heard somewhat but i really didn't understand what he was saying that uh it's believed to be somehow tied into uh shadow people i do know that that the jinn's in some cases they can the, it I've heard of people that they, there's belief that he can even get to the point of even killing you. You know, so, yeah, heavy, heavy duty subject as far as the paranormal is concerned. Uh, guys, I hope you like the show. I love speaking to Paul Tate. Uh, again, I'm going to have a link to his website on the credits of the show. Make sure to visit his site if you want to see that movie. Again, He you can stream it or you can actually order a DVD from him. And, uh, I want to go ahead, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, wherever it is, whether it's on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms, go ahead and subscribe so that you get notified when I release any shows. Uh, also, you can find me on all the social media platforms. I usually will give a heads up when I'm going to air a show, uh, things that are happening, giveaways. You know, I have, sometimes I give away some of my books. Sometimes I give away merchandise, you know stuff like that um and again and i again if you see some of the slides but for those of you listening to the podcast uh you know i have like the true ghost stories from the my true believers on supernatural story time uh i mean i've been getting stories people sending me stories since the late 90s and like i was always one of these people never thinking that that was going to be but i always kept them i always kept these emails uh, thinking, oh, you know, this is so interesting. And uh, some of the stories that I say, you know, um, s- some of them don't have a resolution. Some of them are very brief. Sometimes it's just an experience a person I had once. Other people, you know, like what, you know, other people like that they live in a certain place. And when they're living there, they had these experiences. And once they moved away and as, as kids, God, you know. Um, and I'm going to tell you something a lot of people. Uh, they fall into that category that, that whatever experience they had as a child, whether it was once or, you know, for a period of time that they lived there, it affects them for the rest of their lives. Even if they never see another ghost, anything again as an adult, they never forget that experience they had. Uh, so anyway, go to SupernaturalStoryTime.com. Uh, that's where I have the the, the podcast of those stories. Uh, NightshadeDiary.com. dot I have some of those. Those are more of your classic ghost stories, uh, horror stories, some adventure stories. You know, if you're into that, like an audiobook, And then, of course, on MiamiGhostChronicles.com, if you have a true story, you can go to the Submit Your Story tab and you can submit it there. And guys, again, I welcome your comments, any suggestions for subject matter or guests that you would like me to have on. I have a great lineup of guests coming up talking about a lot of different things having to do either with the supernatural the paranormal or like what i say just the weird stuff like what i mentioned at the beginning you know those news stories that people say well it's not paranormal it is because it's like you know a werewolf i mean and and this is the thing i i I, one time i did a show i want to say it's almost like two years now about uh werewolves you know and it was like a time between sadist killers but back let's say like in the 15 or 1600s when you know there was a big belief in the supernatural and uh, witchcraft and in uh, the power of the devil uh, when people were basically killing you know serial killers and they were caught a lot of these people were claiming that they were werewolves and or vampires and back then they believed it or that was a belief against them in other words You could not be a normal human being. There had to be something wrong with you. You know, you were under the power of the devil, etc., etc., to have committed these atrocities. And back then, it wasn't like, ha, ha, ha. No, it was like, we believe it. You know, and of course, most of these times, these people were, like, executed horrifically. uh, Not only because of the crimes they committed, but because they were thought to be under the power of the devil. Some of them, um, and and then when you look at it, you say, okay, well, that was 500 years ago. And even though these people are mentally disturbed, you see things like this and it's like, yeah, it's 500 year difference. But it still plays such a large part in our psyche that you have people that actually commit or try to commit murder based on the belief that this other person is an otherworldly being or supernatural being. Oh, wow. Okay, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. Thank you so much for spending this time here. It has been absolutely wonderful. You're all wonderful, and please come back because I have a lot of great shows coming up. Take care.
4: With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales.